So you yes. would have gone six five. Boom. So you're number five. Yeah, and again, these moments, uh, what we're doing is you know big trickle down moments. So it's not just and as much as we love them, you know, Dolph Ziggler's cash in of Money in the Bank um, the day after Monday after WrestleMania. It's something that impacted everybody. You know, really, yep. it hit the audience. It hit the other wrestlers. Um, you know, it progressed everything forward. It was a huge, huge event. So, Matt, my number five is something we've kind of touched on a little bit earlier, so we don't want to dwell necessarily too much on it, but it was when CM Punk quit. Nice. Yes, and, and it's, to recap, this was my number ten. Yeah, and Matt made a mistake putting it so low. I was correct putting it so high. Uh, and number five, it's a big deal, not just because... I we, can't wait to get to my number five got, right now. We got to hear. Oh, my God. <laughs> we got to hear. No, I'm, and I'm not being, like, competitive. <laughs> I, you're going to... It'll really tie this whole thing together. Uh, well, my number five, I'd punk up there, man, because it wasn't just him. It wasn't just the dumb fans going, See a punk! See a punk! It's because of what happened after. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Royal Rumble, everybody turned on... They, they turned on, a, on an event... In its entirety. Uh, we booed Rey Mysterio. We made Daniel Bryan our champion. You know, Daniel Bryan had the guest movement. And then since then, WWE signed AJ Styles when Daniel Bryan got hurt. And since then, they embraced the, the everyman. And Which was I, your number nine. That was my number nine. Like, this this number five is just, it's it's got its, 
its impact, its impressions can be felt all throughout these lists, and it's, it's, there's, there's so much to say. I mean, it opened up the door for us to, you know, kind of diagnose what's wrong with WWE, how they're booking people, how they're taking care of their superstars. How they're diagnosing people. Yeah. Are, <laughs> are they diagnosing? Ooh. <laughs> and Dr. Pepper with another, you know, state of approval there. Um, you know, and we learned the term independent contractor because of this. Because of him quitting. And it improved the well-being of our wrestlers because WWE's uh, uh, handling of uh, the health care of professional wrestlers finally was, uh, you know, uh, in the focus of the, the digesting crowd. And they're all like, what? Our beloved superstars who go flying through tables aren't protected? And they're not even employees? What's going on here? And it's all because of Punk getting mad and saying something. So it, it really... Just, it touched so many things on this list. So it, it had to be in the top ten in some capacity. Matt, you're, you're giddy with anticipation because we, we've already glossed over this one because it was earlier in your list. But, Matt, what is your number five? Well, I mean, just to cap off yours, too, I, I really don't, like, it's so hard to, to look at, like, the effect a guy like CM Punk has had on the business and go... How could you have more of an effect than quitting and leaving the business? Right? Like, I mean, that, and to see what has happened after that. Yeah. That seems like the most one person could do, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of the reverse of what you'd expect, that more happened because you quit. Well, to my number five, June 2011... A pipe bomb was dropped, oh. Mike. By Just one CM in Punk. At, uh, the ten-year. <laughs> now, did this make your list? It did not. I put it on here, Mike, because I thought, like, this idea of the voice for the voiceless, uh, or of the voice—I don't know how you put it. Uh, oh man, somebody just threw an item at a uh, <laughs> German announced team while we're watching oh, TLC. Yeah, that was kind of mean. Um, I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> that stuff makes me so mad. But uh, but CM Punk does probably the most memorable, maybe the greatest promo of all time. Uh, but it was the first time that WWE was really accepting and acknowledging that this is a television show. It was the first time that it felt like the fans were really making a difference where you made the comments in the last show about the Daniel Bryan storyline being that um, that first time that that made the difference. But I I feel like Punk's pipe bomb was, was in the midst of this contract signing and him fighting John Cena for the title in Chicago. Him arguing with... Um, Vince McMahon and Triple H in the months thereafter still dealing with this pipe bomb. Um, I mean, there's still the notion, too, like, this was was either part of the show and only some of it was improvised by Punk, but a lot of it was planned. Either way, what was said was said. I mean, talking to, calling Triple H an idiot on TV, uh, your doofus son-in-law kind of stuff coming out of Punk's mouth, uh, talking about, like, Bullying uh, is one of their big, uh, what do you call it, charities to get behind or anti-bullying. And then the entire business is based on bullying was, was always a good one. 
Yeah. Uh, just waving hi to Colt Cabana. But all, all of this was just trying to get out some of the frustrations that fans were feeling when watching John Cena turn into John Cena. And let's not forget, he was still going to go another you know, another four years until Brock Lesnar came around along and knocked him down a peg. But he was still going to go another four years of being dominant. So um, I think this, and the reason that this is number five and CM Punk leaving was number ten, was because CM Punk leaving, I think, doesn't make the same difference if Punk hadn't already done this pipe bomb. Because he was already, like, this is what crowned him as our voice. The voice of the viewer. So then when he left, that's where that mark was made of, like, not just anybody left the company. The guy that we trusted to do the work for us was was now gone. The guy we thought would be there to say, well, that's a dumb idea. Now he's gone. Where, um, take a look at, like, Cody Rhodes. We loved Cody because we thought, you know, he was doing such a great job as a performer. But it wasn't until he left WWE that he became the voice of the voiceless. Where CM Punk was actively doing that while he was working for the business. So... The other thing I thought this did, too, and I haven't mentioned it yet, uh, so I mentioned that it showed the audience that WWE was listening, but I feel like before social media had really defined what it was at this point, and now, you know, now we're talking eight years later, we see the cesspool that Twitter's turned into. (laughs) So this doesn't always have to mean good things came from this, but I think this pipe bomb is what led to a lot of stuff going on on Twitter. Is people having these uh, opinions that they feel like, you know, maybe a guy like CM Punk will be on my side, when that's probably not even true. But it gave more power to people on social media to have terrible opinions and broadcast them. So I don't say this was part of Punk's agenda, but I do think that this has this had an effect on people. And it gave people this idea that I've always got to speak my mind. And, and because Punk, I think, was right to speak his mind. And if depending on how much of this pipe bomb was uh, written or planned out or improv or however you want to put it, um, whatever the story is there, I think a lot of what he said was true. And it, it was good that he said it because it would impact the business positively going forward. But I think a lot of people see these types of actions going down and they misinterpret when things need to be called out and when they shouldn't. I mean, there's like, now that I'm a parent, I see like the mom agenda uh, is a top thing that comes up on my social media feeds. And a lot of it is bullshit. It's stuff that nobody knows anywhere near enough about to actually comment on. But because they might be offended by it, or they think their child might be negatively affected by it, they have an opinion. And, you know, like, we just watched, uh, we're watching the beginning of TLC, and I think I mentioned, too, like, we might repeat the show. So, um, we just watched Baron Corbin in the, the preview of this TLC show with the Roman Reigns and the dog costume. Yeah. Like... Corbin does not need to be getting death threats on Twitter. <laughs> and that and that segment wasn't that bad. No. But the fact that 
the WWE fans were sort of taught, like, you've got to speak your mind to get what you want. It's, it's the same reason we have Trump as our president. I know we don't want to get too political here, because we already did that in the last, uh, or I guess at this point, three weeks ago, yeah. uh, once we finally released this live. But, um, I mean, it's just, yeah, it, that I'm not saying that pipe bomb created the voice of what Twitter would be, but I think at least for the pro wrestling side, it it kind of had this negative effect of telling people well, to always it, it, voice yeah, their it opinion. Takes, it takes somebody in power to kind of teach you that you can you can like question things and talk back to them. Mm-hmm. It's like he kind of gave us permission to even have that mindset. We're like, oh yeah, we we kind of are only you know offered a few choices. We aren't kind of given everything we could possibly have. You know, we're not, we're not allowed to buy a CM Punk ice cream bar. You know, we're not <laughs> yeah. allowed to buy a CM Punk, you know, t-shirt. It's not on the side of the building. And that is weird, because we seem to like this guy. Why are they only promoting certain people? Yeah, what's going on with that? So, uh, I think you're right. Uh, the timing of it, it was right before the big uh, social media. Everybody has an opinion, and because you have an opinion, it's all worth listening to, which is not the case. Right. Um, but yeah, it... it you know, it's kind of the good with the bad, so that was the bad, but the good was, you know, to kind of not feel powerless and feel like you can kind of stand up for something. Yeah. So, it, you know, there's, you know, There's negative. good and bad that, that came from this. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, negative factors, but, you know, it also kind of gave us a whole new mindset, and I, I think that it's something that helps get us to this point today where we have all the... Yeah. Indie wrestlers, you know, getting jobs. You know, all the everyman um, style guys. It's because of stuff like that. And we don't want to necessarily see a bodybuilder who can't wrestle. We actually watch wrestling to see guys who can wrestle. So, yeah. Um, yeah, well, besides I, that, we can... I don't know if you want to keep dwelling on this. No, no, no. We touched I, on it already. But. No, I, and I, was, I was telling you to stretch because I wanted to look up a date. But I'll, I'll just, let's break the fourth wall because we're going to number four. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we're talking about the punk pipe bomb promo. So we're going to break the fourth wall. Yeah. And I'll tell everybody I was telling Mike to stretch because I can't think of a specific date. Um, <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's where I kind of felt like I wanted to put this one higher and I was strategic and putting the pipe bomb this high because I thought it did have an effect on how people act in the wrestling universe. Um, yeah, you know what I was going to say, too, is, like, at first, that CM Punk chant, it actually meant something. Like, it meant, like, no, we're not going to stand for this anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been just warped and, you know, ruined at this point, but it used to mean um, this is booking that we don't want to be a part of we're not booing the superstars necessarily we're booing the promotion itself and it was a symbolic you know taunt a symbolic chant to say all together we don't we don't like what's going on in the ring and we can tell that it's something that's trying to be forced to us something that's trying to be um like taught to us like you're trying to make us, for example, love Roman Reigns, and you can't just keep giving him wins and expect us to like him. We we don't like him. We want to like stumble upon him organically. We don't want to be force-fed our new favorite guy. And that CM Punk chat at that point, it did mean something. It it meant that that we don't want you know this next Superman character. We want let us have a little bit of an opinion and who we like. 
don't think that we are just going to blindly root for this because you told us it's the best. Um, the CM Punk chant is, is overdone and ruined, but at the time it did have that kind of meaning. Did you find that date you were trying yeah. to find? Right. <laughs> so moving to number four, Mike. Number four. Uh, number four. <laughs> um, you talked about we Becky turning about into the man. Yeah. And I took kind of the same way I took the Daniel Bryan saga. I decided to grab onto the entire women's revolution Ooh. and make that my number four. So what I was looking for was in July of 2015 was when Stephanie McMahon declared it the women's revolution. And I, I want to take that, you know, what was going on there was it was this turnover from the Bellas and the Divas Championship and moving on to the women's titles that were announced at that next WrestleMania uh, which I, I've always felt were, were beautiful belts. Um, I know we got kind of weird here recently with like uh, the blue belts and now the fiend belt, but those, the white leather belt with the red and blue on it, depending on if it was a Raw or SmackDown Women's Championship, I just thought, Mwah. great, great belts. But Women's Revolution all started with this give, uh, give the ladies a chance. Give us a chance. Divas a chance, that's what it was. I, I think I just didn't want to say divas, like, in the back of my mind. Uh, but give divas a chance when, when they were getting, like, these two-minute matches. And um, <coughs> I think I think there's a deeper conversation to be had here for what has kind of happened to that call. Like, why did we, as a fan base, stop giving divas a chance? Because I think we've heard boring chants. Uh, to some of the ladies' matches in the last few years, where it's like, well, wait a minute, we have to wait for the, <laughs> we still have to wait for the division to transition and catch up to the men's division that's been booked the same way for 40, 50 years, 100 years, however long pro wrestling has been along, and, you know, women's wrestling has always been a different thing, except for these last five, six years, um... So in that regard, I think this is an opportunity for me to tell fans to remember that that was what the plan was, is give them a chance. And giving them a chance was not having Sasha Banks wrestle one match and then we go back to going to the bathroom during women's matches. It's You've got to wait for the talent to catch up with uh, the want. And I think that we're definitely moving in the right direction because now we're blessed with one of the best tag teams uh we've got women's tag titles and the kabuki warriors are about to go up against uh you know maybe we're not going to be so happy with the the ending of the match but they're going up <laughs> against charlotte flair and becky lynch yeah uh, we finally got a wrestlemania to end uh maybe it was a little clumsy but it was a fantastic storyline which is what we're here watching pro wrestling instead of ufc but uh becky finally getting over on um Ronda. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Uh, but yeah, let me just we'll, we'll go through this. We had the yeah, all I, women's pay per view. Yeah. Which uh, I think you and I kind of at first were super excited, and then it definitely felt like a PR stunt because uh, it came on the same week that women weren't invited to go to Saudi Arabia a year ago. Uh, obviously, we did get to see the first women's match in Saudi Arabia this year, but um, I, I don't know how much I I give that credit to the WWE, 
But uh, I think what we do have to do is give credit to what happened in NXT first. Um, and, and, and all those matches down there, because it was the talent of those ladies that, that started these chants and started the, the push to make sure that the WWE product was getting the same amount of, of attention and effort as the NXT product was. Yeah, exactly. Respect is the best word. But uh, just to kind of sum it all up here, and then I want to get your thoughts, is that the women's main event at WrestleMania, the, the Evolution pay-per-view, we have uh, the women's title instead of the Divas title. We've got women's tag team titles. Uh, part of this, too, is Ronda Rousey joining the, the WWE, so we're kind of doubling up on some other thoughts that uh, we had in the previous episode where you were talking about Brock Lesnar and Ronda uh, joining. Yeah. And then just this, uh, this dismissal of the idea of the WWE diva and kind of what that implies and remembering that we're watching pro wrestling and that we want to see pro wrestlers. And now women are added to the list of pro wrestlers on the roster and aren't a list of female wrestlers. They're not a list of divas. They're not a, you know, list of lady. It's, it's just them added to the list of pro wrestlers in the WWE. And, um, it's, it's great. It's something that we watch the other promotions um, in, like, AEW that needs needs some more time to build up uh, what their roster is. But we've moved so far in women's wrestling that people can look at what AEW is doing and they it's visible. You notice it. You're like, wait a minute. This is not enough. And the leadership in AEW has even said enough to, or has said as much to to agree with the fan base and they know it's not enough and they're working to make it better um so in that regard i think you know we talked about it in the last episode this notion of is it better than it was yesterday yeah um it's definitely better than it was in the decade prior so this decade i think you're right in your number number 10 was the small wrestler mm-hmm. it's also uh the women's wrestler so if anything i think we want to say that this decade has been more diverse because we also talked about the new day and kofi kingston on our lists our respective lists um this is this is the first decade where we've really started to move in the right direction of highlighting the best talent that you have regardless of skin color or what you perceive is like this is the person that should be the star of my show which i think is a huge problem in pro wrestling and you're just going all right you know what the new day are some of the most talented people are, or let's let's stick with what we're talking about um becky lynch is one of the best promo artists and mix of pro wrestling talent on the roster so you know what i'm gonna put her on tv as often as i can and I'm going to find, she's, again, fighting the Kabuki Warriors tonight. Why is she fighting the Kabuki Warriors? Because she is the best pro wrestler the WWE has to offer. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so that's my number four. I had it at number three. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, we kind of talked about when number four already was the, the Yes Movement. Mm. Um, so I'm going to jump into number three here and talk about the Women's Revolution. Um. I think one of the important things you said um, is that you needed the talent to be there to actually get to that point. And when we started getting the four horsewomen, you know, Charlotte, Bailey, uh, Becky, and um, Sasha, 
you needed the you needed the talent to be there to support the movement. Um, I mean, and the other thing you needed if if they're not legitimate fighters, it doesn't really matter. Um, so it, it was kind of a, a, a great combination, everything to come together. Because I think the previous generation, you could look at like, you know, Trish and Lita. You know, that's who we can point to. Those are, you know, they were no doubt Hall of Famers. Um, it just stunk because back then, even with all that, you know, patting themselves on the back, you know, like we, we have real women's matches at WrestleMania. The promos would always be like, you know, super vain. Um, you know, talk about each other's exterior appearances and, you know, jealousy or some man would be involved, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was so, what's so great now about this women's, you know, revolution currently is that it's just about the women fighting each other, you know, that they want to, you know, win in a combat sports event. Yeah. It's not, you know, Becky doesn't want to prove that she's prettier than Charlotte. Mm-hmm. That's like the last thing either of them would ever say to each other. It's just about, I want my legacy, I want to build my, you know, stature in this company, I want to be the greatest wrestler, you know, WWE's ever seen. Um, So I think changing the narrative for the women has been massive, Um, and it's embarrassing that it took this long to do. Uh, But, like, you know, we've been harping on, it only does so much to keep, you know, talking about, you know, how it sucked before, because at least now there's progress. We as an audience collectively are a little more uh, woke about you know what uh, rest, professional wrestling can be, um, and yeah, it's it's great that we don't have a title that's shaped like a butterfly. That you know they're not called divas anymore; they're just called you know the women's division. Um, it's 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 weird that we get to be a part of that because I think growing up we were so used to watching like pudding matches and. You know, bikini contests and things like that, and all that is—it's over. That's—that's that's not what this is about. Um, so I'm—I'm I'm excited that we get to be a part of it. Uh, excited to see where they go from here. Uh, excited about the way WWE hires talent, where it seems like they want more people who can actually wrestle. Uh, that's why you started to see, you know, uh, you know, the Ember Moons, and then the the Oscars, the Kyries, the uh, Shayna Baszlers. Um, you know, the Candice LeRae's, all those people in, you know, NXT, Rhea Ripley, um, you know, they're all people who can wrestle. This, this isn't a glamour show anymore. They, they want people who can wrestle and, you know, kudos to the audience for wanting it too, because WWE is only going to sell a product that we want to buy. So it's, it's kind of a, you know, one-to-one relationship there. You needed both and it looks like we're, we're finally getting it. So we did my number four already kind of in the previous show about the yes movement. What a, what a uh, connection it made to so many other things. Yeah, um, it goes back to like uh, the idea we keep talking about with with CM Punk a couple times, but it's it's this relationship of the the audience and the WWE and being listened to and being told that you're listened to, but but also seeing the action, like seeing it come to fruition. Um, and we're, we're watching Kofi Kingston right now hold up the tag titles, but uh, part of being listened to is what helped Kofi Kingston beat Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, and being listened to is what got us one of the best WrestleMania moments of all time, is Daniel getting Batista to tap out. Outside of, like, some, maybe, like, three or four instances ever, uh, WWE has always picked who won and lost. 
And I think what's great about the Yes Movement, even though it does read a little bit like we had an impact on the booking because we so strongly turned against the Royal Rumble in 2013. Yeah. Um, that whole storyline really improved the relationship with the crowd and like WWE in a way because it made us feel like we do have an impact. And when you do have an impact, that that's like the magic of social media in general where you feel like I'm, I, my opinion matters. Like what yeah. I say actually is going to make an impact. And so that made you care more, made you more vocal, made you talk about WWE more. Um, not only did it give WWE, uh, you know, free market research because we were just talking about everything. They knew exactly <laughs> what to sell after that. Um, but it, you know, it helped kind of uh, demonstrate where the company could go. And it's something that, uh, because of that uh, being vocal, you know, that, that kind of tied into the last point we just talked about. Give Divas a chance. Yeah, I, I think... Like, it showed WWE the value of listening. Yeah. Uh, I I think that, too. So we go... Let's see. You started with five, now I go five, four. You go four, three. So now it's my turn to do a three. Mm-hmm. And I think the listening part definitely continued with this point. Because my number three goes along the lines of how much it changed the business and who was being signed. Uh, because we, we talked earlier about CM Punk leaving, Daniel Bryan going, um, making his way up the card, and then the type of wrestler that could main event was starting to change, seeing the likes of AJ Styles and Nakamura in a WrestleMania main event. Um, but yeah, the, the wrestler that we want to see succeed uh, was changing. We want to see a more athletic wrestler. We don't want to see just, you know, muscle. Uh, And I think a lot of that started with the formation and the success of the Bullet Club. Mike, my Uh number three. Matt, what are you doing? I just said it. Number three is the Bullet Club. I mean, we could... We could take a few names here and figure out how much of uh, this Bullet Club has touched us right now. Uh, Kenny Omega, uh, Anderson and Gallows, uh, the Young Bucks, Cody Rhodes, um, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Adam Cole. And then, you know, we've got guys that even though we're not... We like what we see in new japan but we haven't spent enough time but you've still got jay white and kenta right now and jay white is considered one of the best um on the planet uh i mean this list of 30 guys hangman page you've got the on and off from jeff jarrett which is funny to me um marty squirrel who just made his start with uh nwa last night um might still go to AEW. That's a whole other conversation for another day. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, without the success of the Bullet Club, you don't see Finn Balor go to NXT. You probably don't see AJ Styles. And then it isn't making as big a waves with AJ Styles, Gallows, and Anderson leaving the Bullet Club for the WWE and bringing Nakamura with them. Uh, I mean, you talk about the hottest selling t-shirt in like pro wrestling history is those bullet club t-shirts and how many different versions there were at hot topic. Um, 
I mean, it was a star-making platform. It was if you wanted a guy to go to the top, you put him on the Bullet Club. And you saw that with how they would just interchange Finn Balor for AJ Styles, for Kenny Omega, Hangman Page getting those shots. And now, even though the Bullet Club's probably at its weakest right now in regards to um, name recognition... um, you know, like like I mentioned, like a Jay White being on there is still helping him grow his name, and who knows where he's going to be in the next five years. Right. Um, so with all that being said, you can see just the success of the Bullet Club, and now, I mean, the top wrestler in the business right now makes his way over to the WWE. Uh, Cody Rhodes uh, getting his time with the Bullet Club is now running all of AEW, not by his, by himself, but I know he's the face of the company. Um, bringing the young bucks with him, pretty much, you know, the the elite was all a part of the Bullet Club. I mean, this was this decade's NWO, uh, and I'm going to say NWO and not DX because <laughs> one faction was a rebuttal and one was the one that made the waves. Um, they, they even do the two sweet to kind of <laughs> really nail that point in. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is, it is a silly point, but it is t-shirt sales. It is the Bullet Club shirts, uh, and brand awareness making it to WWE shows coming, uh, you know, across the Pacific Ocean <laughs> to the U.S. And... Just, you couldn't escape it. You couldn't be a wrestling fan and not know that the Bullet Club exists. So, sure, I'm going to sit here and tell you that for pro wrestling and the change that has happened in it, um, there have been a lot of wrestlers that have stuck around New Japan, and they put on their five-star-plus matches. Um, But I think for that, that just means that's where you go for good wrestling. And for that reason, I've watched Wrestle Kingdom the last couple years. But when I'm talking about big changes in pro wrestling because of decisions or stories or choices by particular promotions, the one thing that I think this decade New Japan really brought to the table and changed pro wrestling for the better was Bullet Club. Yeah, this is pretty great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt of the star power that came out of that. Uh, and one thing WWE likes doing is exploiting Japan. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> taking all those guys and seeing how mega popular they were. Um, you know, wrestling in Japan and seeing how popular they were in the United States. Uh, it's like all they needed, they just knew, well, we have the podium. We have, this, we have a network. We have... We're on USA on multiple days. You know, now we're on Fox. So let's, uh, let's get them over here and make some money. Yeah. Uh, so good good move by WWE. Uh, I don't know how New Japan feels about uh, all their hard work being exploited. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, their, their ability to, to cut promos, uh, to do the, you know, the gang warfare. That's always been the best part of wrestling is when there are, you know, opposing uh, factions going to war. Um, it's, it's, it's been the most entertaining part. And now it's something that you can see the, the ripples in NXT. You see it in Raw, you see it in SmackDown. And yeah. They're going to be impacting it for years to come. It's good stuff. 
Yeah, and I just I think that's that's the biggest part of this too. Is we talked about where where these different uh, storylines or whatever have have affected the business going forward. I I mean I had to put it at number three only because when I went back through my list, there are so many things like the CM Punk stuff. But for the CM Punk stuff to come to fruition, the Bullet Club had to be as big as it was. To also push this decision-making process of the machine that is the WWE. Uh, For the Bullet Club to be, uh, or for AJ Styles and Finn Balor to become top candidates for, for, you know, throwing a ton of dough at, getting your NXT started, uh, making sure you had a new champion to take over for Daniel Bryan. Um, It had to start with the success of the Bullet Club. And, and... AJ Styles is huge before the Bullet Club. Right. But he doesn't get the platform of the Bullet Club unless it was as successful as it was. You know, like, he he doesn't make the decision as a character to join up with the Bullet Club if it's not already the hottest thing on the planet uh, in pro wrestling. Uh, So all all that stuff put together, like, we don't have the the show that we're watching right now. We don't have the the Tables, Ladders, and Chairs show that we're watching while we record this, just it's not the same show without the success of Bullet Club. Different guys might be signed. The, the show might look a little different. We might have bigger wrestlers. We might not believe in the same Johnny Gargano yeah. types because we saw how successful it could be with, you know... Yeah, those guys being able to self-market, that yeah. really you know opened up WWE's eyes about what, what could be possible. That's as a really far as good point. Giving these guys... You know, some creative freedom. Uh, let them be on TV in the first place. And that's why we have AEW, too. Like, the Young Bucks are the guys that really started these relationships with, like, Hot Topic and the Bullet Club and selling all those t-shirts. I don't know how much of this you know. But um, then they just turned into this turned into this relationship of, like, well, what other shirts can you make for us? And then they had every single version of these Bullet Club shirts, and then the, the Young Buck shirts are still pretty similar. But because, because of that, that's where you get the confidence to start AEW, because you're like, oh my god, look at the, the wallet I'm carrying around now, just because of these t-shirts. And I, I know the joke has always stood that AEW is a t-shirt company first. And that's not really the point I'm making. And I, I'm going more along the lines of your point, Mike, that when you learn that you do have what it takes to market yourself, or maybe you've you've discovered that you have a product that is easy to market. Like you are that different and hitting the right note at the right time for an audience that you might as well just go out and do your own thing. And then if the WWE came calling, you just tell them, sure, I'll sign for $50 million. <laughs> not going to happen. That's not, that's not even close to what Shawn Michaels got to go wrestle in Saudi Arabia. Um, I, I think he only got, uh, I think, I mean, I'm going to say only, but I think he only got seven figures. You got to figure, that's, this was a guy that was like, nope, I am not changing my story of retiring with The Undertaker for anything. Except like seven. Seven million dollars, I'll take it. For one night. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I think... I think if you're a WWE fan or, like, uh, you're, you're distanced from... Oh, man, look at Alistair. He's got some blood going. If you're distanced from this uh, New Japan and, and, and Bullet Club, kind of like I am, 
Uh, you can't deny that the existence of the Bullet Club, it, it didn't escape uh, your view, your awareness level, and it's, it's totally affected what we're watching today. So, Mike, I think that means it's time for your number? No, I have to go to my number two. Yeah. Yeah, we know your number three. Yeah. Mike, my number two is the only match I have on my list. Wow. Bailey versus Sasha Banks, NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Wow. This is before Stephanie McMahon. Wait. It was in the, in the middle of this whole <laughs> women's revolution change. Yeah. Uh, but this is when the four horsewomen came out in the middle of the ring and hugged it out. I mean, it was... It was it, their click moment. Yes, exactly. Uh, I think this is where we defined like, what the women's revolution would be and who was going to lead the way. Uh, they were already doing it in NXT, and you already had a whole crop of graduates from NXT like move to the next level. Uh, talking about Paige and, and, and Emma, but um, there was there was this next crop. I thought was this was the group that really said this division is ready to own the WWE, and now because of that match is where you saw the trust. In Sasha, Bailey, Charlotte, and Becky, which without that match, I don't think you get the trust with the four horsewomen. Um, and it was also special too with the the spot that they got in, in regards to um, uh, the end of the night. Yeah, and then and then uh, I'm kind of getting lost in my thought here because we're watching this Aleister Black and Buddy Murphy match and I, I keep trying to not look and then I see your reactions to it and I'm, I'm like... There aren't a lot of TV matches for Aleister. Yeah. Uh, but what you're talking about is, is Sasha and Bailey. like, you know we mentioned a moment ago about the women's revolution, about what they're feuding about? Mm-hmm. They wanted to kill each other for that championship. And they also wanted to kill each other because they were just having a real, you know, blood feud. Yeah. Uh, Sasha was... Like kind of at the genesis of her being a, a mastermind, cocky heel. Yep. And Bailey was the plucky underdog who was, you know, out there for hugs and friendship. And I think that's when we, we met that little girl with the ponytail in the front row. Yeah. And Bailey had that real connection with the crowd. And it was, um, you know, like we talked about with CM Punk, how we want to organically like people. And Bailey was pushed as a face. But she only got over because we all, like, believed her um that she was genuine you know that she was actually that nice of a person yeah and we all were all pulling for her and then you know sasha was getting like that chris jericho heel love where it was you boo her but you also kind of appreciate what a great job she's doing in the ring and it was not just those two personalities not just that story being told but sasha being one of the you know uh better sneaky snake heels and Bailey selling like a mother. <laughs> like she's she really is. I don't, I don't think you and I even give her enough credit as a worker. She mm-hmm. she might be the best female worker. Like taking bumps, making you look like a million bucks. Um, and then she still does an elbow drop. You know, taking risks. And she's got a you know her Bailey to belly suplex that she can you know pull out like an RKO. Yeah. Um, it was it was a storyline. It was uh, two personalities. It was the crowd giving a hoot. It was like a, right. a perfect storm, everything coming together. Because nothing was forced. This was the show that was NXT TakeOver Brooklyn, so the first time that they're in a big arena, and 
<laughs> What's funny is to see the reaction, like, going back, I went and watched. Um, the reaction for the, the Balor match is, is, is still good. But, I mean, this was an A+. Plus. This was a plus five star. This was just... The, the moment, like, transcends the storyline in the ring. It was just beautiful to see everybody kind of go, all right, we hated each other for this match, but we needed this moment. Like, this is our moment forever. And it, it, it is it is the post-match celebration. It's the hugs. It's the, uh, the, the lady standing in the middle of the ring. And then everything after that was pushing the product in WWE going forward. I just, I think, I think that was one of the catalysts to define what the women's revolution was going to be. Yeah. And then, um, it was just a damn good wrestling match. And I think you could probably, Mike, take the Charlotte and Natalia match. You could take the Sasha-Charlotte matches, um, and throw this, throw those in there. But I just thought that because this was on the biggest stage, and they fucking nailed it and own that show and created a moment that I will never forget and it's a moment that the WWE comes back to all the time in their promotions is seeing them in the ring together and we'll see it a lot once uh, the four horsewomen in the WWE take on the four horsewomen of the UFC but I just it it's yeah I think I think the, the, there's a good reason this is the only wrestling match on <laughs> on there because I think it helped affect so much going forward and these four ladies are not done I think we know Charlotte's on her way to becoming the most decorated female superstar of all time yeah uh Becky Lynch comes out with a new Funko Pop and it you know she sells a million of them and it becomes the highest selling Funko Pop of all time I, I just there's there's so much, I mean, that's a silly example, but it just goes to show you, like, how huge these four ladies are right now. Yeah, um, yeah just good things all around. Um, and, and to think that those are good things happening to two ladies that weren't even in the match, but it meant so much for the four horsewomen that, to me, it had to be on this list. Yeah, I, I think it's funny, too, that I'm, like, uh, glad you brought that match up, because of the four horsewomen, I think you'd put those two, like, in the, if you were to rank them. Probably Charlotte 1, Becky 2, Sasha 3, Bailey 4. Yep. <laughs> but it's funny that in that match, like, those were the two you're like, wow, those <laughs> two are going to rule the world. <laughs> and I think it really just speaks to, like, how interchangeable the four of them can be. Yeah. Depending on when you need, you know, to spice it up a little bit and change, you know, who's running the division. Yeah, you know what's funny? And the weakest coming out of NXT, you would have totally put... Yeah, you would have put Becky down there. And I... I would say at any point in the last couple years, you could switch Becky and Charlotte. I think Charlotte gets put to the top because we know how the WWE feels about her. But I mean, if I if I were to think about promo work and in ring ability, I I don't know. I feel like I'd put to be a WWE superstar, I'd put Becky above Charlotte right now. I mean, yeah. that's a long argument. It's a it's 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 an argument where I don't think there's really a wrong answer. It's just, all four of those women have such a, like, they have a submission maneuver, they have something where they either crash at you from the turnbuckle or they go flying off the top. Um, they have some striking maneuverability. Um, they're all just so diverse, and they all have their own little character quirks. Like, it's, 
But Bailey's definitely the worst. No, I, I honestly <laughs> I just want you to laugh and say yeah. <laughs> I don't I, like they all. So who's the worst? I, I the worst at what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't. I don't want to play this game. I don't like it. Oh no! What if I said one of them's bad? Um, I'll say it. Bailey's the worst out of the four. Anyway, Mike, what's your number two? <laughs> well. Unfortunately, um, it's kind of a 180 from what you were saying. <laughs> you want to talk about high-impact maneuverability by WWE, business-wise. Something that's going to have long-lasting effects for years and years to come. Matt, and it's a little gross, and I apologize, but it's WWE's 10-year deal with Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Why is it up so high on the list? It's I, high It's high on the I list. I kept it off my list for a reason, but I want you to continue. It's a high-impact move because of how much revenue it brought in to the company. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's pretty gross that Saudi Arabia's uh, prince basically gets to fantasy book his own WrestleMania in his own house, basically. Yeah. Um, but... What are the positives that come out of that? Uh, with those, you're able to experiment more. With those, you're able to have a super diverse, uh, deep roster where tons of your favorite guys don't make it on TV because there's only so many hours and feuds to go around. But you can still afford to keep them on, on the bench. God forbid there's an injury or you know there's a change of plans. Uh, that money also affords you... Um, you know, things like the women's revolution where it's something that I, I don't know if I, I never thought it would happen. And I, I think that that all that, well, I'm going to call it blood money. It affords you that ability to take a risk because we don't know if that's going to sell out. Um, it's something that they didn't even have the balls to do a second time. You know, they only did it once. They didn't do it back to back years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it affords them that ability to, you know, make NXT a bigger product. Um, it kind of gets them in the room with the Fox. You know, they're not on, you know, USA money. Now they're on big boy money. You yeah. know, they could go to the table and, you know, kind of get those contract offers. Um, my God, it's something that put Shawn Michaels back in a WWE ring. Um, it's... It's something that will probably impact other wrestling promotions and that WWE can afford to have a deep bench rather than, like, say, example, have somebody like Cesaro or Rusev just say, screw this, I'm going to AEW, where you can just sit there and suck up that, you know, Saudi Arabia money. Um, it, so it's, it's such a huge deal because it negatively impacts other wrestling promotions <laughs> who can't pry these high-talent guys away from WWE because of how much money they're making. And I'll say one of the stories that came out from the last Saudi Arabia thing is on the money and that they aren't getting paid, and it it did significantly hurt the WWE stock. Yeah. So that, that was part of the reason I kept it off my list, and I also feel like it impacts the, the business so negatively I mean, like, the WWE has also tried to distance themselves from it. They've stopped 
talking about going to Saudi Arabia unless it's like the week of. They just say they have a show. Um, you know what? And, to... and the, like, they got into trouble trying to end the relationship early. That I think we all remember the wrestlers that got held hostage over in Saudi Arabia this past show because it was it was something about getting money settled, like whatever the issues were, and, and the wrestlers were just stuck on a plane and they couldn't come back home. Um, so I. I I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean it should be out of my top ten. It probably should have made my top ten somewhere. Um, I mean, if you think about it, I picked the women's revolution, and then I picked a match that I thought helped push the women's revolution. So those are kind of work hand-in-hand. So I could have made an excuse just to put Saudi Arabia in there. But, um... (laughs) Are you wearing a t-shirt? Yeah. Uh, Uh, But I, I just does kind of feel like wwe wants to be out of it now because they are having problems getting paid and then they have that this public relations nightmare yeah Yeah. exactly well the one thing too is uh, i think it's a narrative that we've pushed on our show is you know rooting for the wrestler not the promotion Mm -hmm. um as far as that narrative of the the independent contractor the saudi arabia move definitely um, where at first, you know, I made the point about, you know, it might negatively impact other promotions because you can just, as a WWE wrestler, just sit there and get that money. It also makes us, like, focus more on the artist rather than the guy paying the, the, the bills because now we know with WWE how those guys are getting paid. So that's why we're kind of like, well, I'd rather see this guy succeed somewhere else so he's not... Like, he's going to wrestle somewhere where there's a little bit of integrity. <laughs> so, I, I think that, you know, if it, it kind of continues, I, I could still I could still make the, the argument the other way. Where, you know, these, these guys don't want to be a part of, um, you know, the, the blood money contracts. So, it's, it's opened yeah. up the narrative. It's, it's brought, into the, brought into the light what what the priority is for WWE, because ultimately it is a money-making corporation. And it could change the way we, um, you know, view our professional wrestling at some point. Yeah. Because ultimately, if these guys start to get mad and leave, our, our loyalty is not going to be to WWE. It's going to be to the talent. So... Yeah, I think that that's another element to it, too, is the story is so much more that needs to be told in it um, for what goes on with Saudi Arabia. Like, what what is this, what are we going to be thinking 10 years from now when that contract is up? Are we going to, I mean, how weird is it that they talked about, we signed a 10-year contract with Saudi Arabia, but we all already knew that, and they had to make that, like, it's been such a trouble spot. They had to make the announcement again so that the stock stopped plummeting. Just to remind all the stockholders, like, hey, um, they did tell us we were getting all this money. Uh, but I, I think, yeah, I think considering we have another, what, seven or eight years going into uh, the, the roaring 20s, um, we're going to learn so much more about what this relationship is. If the WWE had a positive uh, effect and what the effect on pro wrestling was is... Uh, is everybody else going for blood money going forward because they they know they can have a better product in the long run? Um, oh my God, this is 
incredible. Hey, talk about there's blood money in Saudi Arabia. We have uh, gravy money. Gravy money. KFC. <laughs> uh, on, yeah, on TLC as the Viking Raiders are about to have somebody come uh, crash crash the party. So I think, Mike, we both, we, I can see, I, I cheated, and I looked at what your number one was because I figured we had the same one. So we get to wrap up our top ten things, our top ten stories of uh, that help define the decade of pro wrestling. And number one is obviously the WWE Network. Yep. All of this, the women's revolution doesn't happen without the WWE Network. NXT doesn't happen without the WWE Network. We don't have this Wednesday Night War, even though it's on USA. It all started because of the the WWE Network. We have uh, NXT UK. We've got every pay-per-view is cheaper. We can watch every single one. We don't have to spend... Jesus, $60, $70 sometimes to watch a pay-per-view. We just pay the network. And paying for the network for a whole year is cheaper um, than paying for, like, two different pay-per-views. Right. So I, there's so many positives to this, but it goes far beyond than what the, the a WWE fan base gets. Because, Mike, this honestly paved the way for CBS, HBO, Fox, Disney Plus. Like this is what showed first like what is possible in a streaming network that focuses on like a niche product. And we saw it. And I, I think for the most part it was successful. It wasn't as successful with the first estimations that the WWE put out there that they'd be able to bring in. But um I, I think it's important because of all of the different shows and ways they could highlight uh, WWE talent, like I mentioned with, I mean, we have the Cruiserweight stuff too, um, different ways to highlight uh, the, the women's wrestling and, and NXT, um, but I, I do think the bigger the bigger element here is the, the that they were maybe not the best streaming service, but they were paving the way for all these other companies to see, like, oh my gosh, you can just pay $10 a month and you'll get to watch the one thing you want to watch, which is pro wrestling. So, yeah, go ahead. No, I think it's, uh, yeah, that's my number one too, of course, since you already cheated and looked at my list. Uh, It's kind of a heel move on your part. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, like history is written by the victors. And so it's kind of, <laughs> kind of a, a pro and a negative that WWE kind of had to swallow is that, you know, if they were having a downtime, you know, like maybe, you know, the product wasn't as popular at a certain, you know, moment, you know, now, you could kind of dive into the history and watch, you know, classic WCW, you know, versus WWE Monday Night Raw episodes. But yeah. negatively, you could also see how, like, for example, on our list, you know, like Kofi Kingston becoming the first black uh, WWE champion, you could actually go through the the history of WWE and say, "Oh my God, there's no black champions. What the hell is that?" <laughs> so you actually had, um, like evidence that you could point to, and it could kind of, you know, push things along because you could, you know, talk about how you know you can comb through forty years of history and it's yeah. just never happened. So I think that positively, you you had all that that access to all that information that you didn't necessarily have before. Um, but yeah, you were right on the money with you know it redefines what it means to have a pay per view. Um, yeah, we've still struggled for 
years now to figure out. We just we just call this a special show, right? It's not a pay per view, right? A special event, right? Um, but I we think still it, it opened it up. On it. <laughs> well, it opened it up to a much larger audience. Um, yeah. It's 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 such a, a better way to do that. Like have a, a ton of people pay a little bit of money rather than a few people pay a lot. Yeah. Um, and then it's so addictive that it's only nine ninety nine. So you just keep forking it over every year. You know. Yeah. You just ignore it on your bills. Yeah, it's just nine ninety nine. It's, it's not that bad. But if you saw like a couple sixty dollars, like Jesus. Guess I'm just watching the Rumble this year. Um, That's yeah, what we you, used to do. Yeah. I don't think we could do the show without the network. No, it wouldn't exist. Yeah. We we would just be saying like, well, I wonder what you know, waiting for Bleacher Report to put up their grades for the show. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah, that's the well, other it also, thing. Like it also like more accessible. Yeah, I mean point. it. Uh, it allowed WWE to kind of see what people wanted to watch and rewatch, and outside of uh, revisiting like the Attitude Era, you'd also see that people were giving a hoot about watching like Bailey versus Sasha. They wanted to rewatch Kofi. They wanted to rewatch Daniel Bryan. They wanted to rewatch The Undertaker. You know his like WrestleMania streak, or um, you know they wanted to rewatch Royal Rumbles. And I think that since the networks come out, there's been an emphasis to kind of like push those types of things. You know what I mean? Yeah. To put Daniel Bryan in the limelight. Um, the Royal Rumble has... I don't think it's a surprise that since 2013 that they've put more effort into it. Like, they've tried to put, um, like, a more cohesive story together. Have, like, more agreeable winners. Um, um, and then with the women. You know, put effort, actually giving them a storyline because it, it was something that we gave a hoot about. We only gave a hoot about because we could watch it. Instead of only having the one, you know, three hours at our disposal, they had all that research to see what people, yeah. you know, turned in and rewatched on the network. So it, it benefited us, it benefited the talent, and ultimately, because WWE could use the research, it benefited them as a business. Uh, it moved them also out of, like, hey, we're going to, you know, tune into USA for three hours a week. <laughs> Instead, you are like you have your own network where you control, you know, the content, um, and they were kind of ahead of the game. I mean, they they were right there, like when, um, you know, Netflix and Hulu were deciding to do streaming networks. Like even ESPN was still not quite figuring it out. Yep. Like WWE was ahead of the game. They WWE did it before Disney. My God, who <laughs> um, <laughs> would have thought WWE would be more progressive than Disney at something? Um, so yeah, it was hats off to them, and, you know, it's, it's probably the best idea they've had, is getting this streaming, getting it, making it accessible, um, and because there's, unfortunately, all that money from, you know, Saudi Arabia, from Fox, you can afford to do things on there, like original programming, you can afford to have cruiserweight championships, you can have women's, uh, tournaments, you know, with all these people who aren't even on NXT yet, uh, like the Mae Young Classic, you can... You know, do uh, Australia Super Showdowns. You, you know, you can just literally, it's 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 amazing. It's it's the best, probably the the most important thing WWE has going for it. You don't have to go out and collect VHS tapes. You know, from you know 1987. You can just turn on the <laughs> network. You know, and search for you know classic you know Roddy Roddy Piper matches, Bret Hart's first match. Yeah. Um, it's it's really a gift if you're a professional wrestling fan. There's there's so much content, you'll never watch it all. Yeah, and it's been a fun journey, too, to catch some of the, the cool shows they've made. That uh, The one that came to mind was uh, 
that. You can watch Dr. Isaac Yanko. Special mad, like, it was like the, um, the VHS tape that was like, uh, the Holy Grail. Remember it was a Bret Hart match with some guy that did one match and Bret Hart made him look like a king. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was a great network special. But I mean, yeah, then you get like the WWE 24-7 stuff. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's a great way to get, like, a, a new window to, to look at WWE programming, a new way to consume it, and you get to see it just a, a new, completely different angle, and it's uh, easily. Number one, uh, top ten stories to, or I don't know how we want to put this, but whatever's defining the decade of pro wrestling, this... This was this is what we'll look back and say really changed the business. Um, now, one thing that we skipped because I just it's my fault. I just jumped into number one, but was my the honorable mentions. Um, so uh, I totally had this in here before you put it on your list. But number eleven was Becky Lynch getting punched in the face by Nia. Uh, number 12, I'm just kidding, I put that in after. 12 was Undertaker losing the streak, uh, and I put that on the list. Obviously, you might think, like, that was one and done, but I think that affected the Undertaker's career by him sticking around forever and trying to redeem himself. And I think that just kept hurting his character, whether or not that was him doing it or the WWE. Uh, the Saudi Arabia relationship, uh, The Rock returning, uh, to fight John Cena two years in a row. Uh, the cruiserweight uh, division resurgence, uh, Hulk Hogan being removed from the Hall of Fame, and I lumped Goldberg, Sting, and Ultimate Warrior returning together. Um, and then, like we talked about a couple times now, Dolph Ziggler cashing in the Money in the Bank and pinning Alber Alberto Del Rio because I still feel that was the biggest pop of the decade. Probably a tie once we realized AJ Styles was coming out at number three to fight Roman Reigns in the Royal Rumble. That, that might be up there. I mean, we felt that one. We were actually at the show, so that, that has to be up there as a big pop, too. But um, I think uh, one of the high, um, like an honorable mention, yeah. um, as far as high-impact um, events, was... Honestly, it was like the 2014 injury bug. 2014 yeah. or 15, where it got so bad that Shane McMahon was like in all the main events. Um, and it was because all their top-tier guys were hurt. And after that, that's when WWE totally like redid. Um, like They started filling up their roster with tons of guys. Um, they didn't like wait for potential storylines. Whenever they could pull the trigger, they did. Um and we're just watching a, a really awful tag match right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, good thing Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson just signed a five-year deal because <laughs> Jesus Christ was that awful for two straight moves. All right, yeah, but, I mean, here's here's what happens, right, when you sign everybody in, under the sun and tell them they can't go to uh, <laughs> Cody Rhodes' show. Um, yeah, so I'd say that when the injury bug hit, that kind of... Um, helped WWE kind of restructure their, their whole roster and the way they thought about having guys on their rosters. Um, the re-emphasis of tag team wrestling has really come up. Uh, we even have a women's tag team division, which is coming along. Could be yep. better, but it's getting there. Um, and then I really like uh, um, 
the way they've been signing a lot of Japanese wrestlers. Um, not just, you know, like the superstars, like, um, you know, remember they had Hideo Tommy, and then that transitioned into, like, um, Nakamura, and now they're looking at Asuka's, you know, the Kairi Saints, the Io Shirai's. Um, they're really starting to get comfortable with, you know, people from overseas, where before they would kind of hesitate to do that, maybe have one Japanese person on the enti- in the entire company, and now they could, you know, reasonably do a couple of Japanese-only factions. And it's, you know, all to our benefit because we've decided we want great wrestlers, and there's a lot of great wrestlers coming out of Japan. Um, so branching out from that, you know, comfort zone for them has been really big. I can't believe we've watched most of the Royal Rumbles live this decade, and the one that we missed was Nakamura and Asuka winning. I know. <laughs> we were so disenfranchised the year before. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'd like to uh, wrap up by reminding everybody you can find all of our content uh, if you enjoyed these lists. Uh, we go weekly. Um, uh, every Thursday we're talking whatever's going on in pro wrestling. Um, and we also don't want to skip out on some Wrestle Kingdom talk. So I know this is coming out at the beginning of the year and Wrestle Kingdom is right around the corner or maybe it already happened. I can't, I gotta look at the calendar again. Uh, but that's, uh, that's us as the Brothers of Discussion at BODpodcast.com and BrothersofDiscussion.com and find us on Twitter at BODpodcast. Um, Mike, this was a lot of talking, a lot of content. This is, I'm glad we broke this up into two shows, but, um, what a hell of a decade. And of course we forgot to mention number one should have been the start of the brothers of discussion. Podcast ah, honorable was, mention. That's <laughs> the number one thing to change pro wrestling. Uh, but thank you so much for all of the, uh, brothers of discussion faithful and anybody new that's coming along just to check out these lists. Um, we appreciate you tuning in. And, uh, Mike, have a good one. You do the same. Bye.